unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. We are back here with another episode of this fine broadcast. You may be watching this on the video cast, but we are also available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, anywhere you get podcasts. Please go there and check out Ron and Scripted with Christopher Roush. Sign up for the audio podcast. Take us with you. And more importantly, if you dig what I'm spraying in this particular show, share the shit out. We appreciate you. This is what, this is what it's all about. I'm out here to make this world a better place and bring my intelligence, bring my expertise, bring my humor to you guys every single Single week to uh, expand our knowledge and our confidence to make this world a better place to expand our self-worth and just have a kick-ass time doing it and we've already got uh angel in the house it still shows facebook user she says what's up brother i appreciate you she says great to see you i'm guessing it's angel let me know if it's angel not unless we have another facebook user out there but thank you guys for being here and i know a lot of you guys watch this on replay because sometimes it's a little bit later there on the east coast so we appreciate and love you guys if you're watching this on the replay as always, if you guys are here live, feel free to ask questions and shit. If you, even if you're on the replay, ask us questions. I'm sure myself or my guest, who's going to be introduced here in just a second, uh, will be happy to answer those questions for you. This is a conversation between us and you. We're sitting at a bar. We're sitting at a coffee shop. We're conversating, and you guys can every once in a while uh, pop in here. We got Jose Marrera in the house. Oh, it's Jose Marrera in the house. My brother from another mother from Puerto Rico. What's going on, brother? Thank you for being here. We still got to catch up. Still got to catch you up. He says, uh, finally get to see you live, but oh, uh, because I am homesick. Because you're homesick. Uh, oh, we got another Facebook user too. We got another, I think this is uh this is Angel. So we got Angel. It's crazy how it comes up Facebook user. I don't understand that, but hey, it is what it is. We appreciate you guys being here. I'm sorry you're homesick. Um, uh, but we're gonna be talking about stuff right up your alley. We're gonna be talking about wealth management here in just a few moments. But uh, first and foremost, I just want to do a little commercial. I'm gonna do two commercials here. You know, I don't do commercials, I don't do uh, paid sponsorships, but uh, I belong to an amazing organization called Help Heal Humanity. Actually, my guest and I have had conversations about uh, Help Heal Humanity, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Help Heal Humanity is an amazing organization. If you're listening to the podcast, helphealhumanity.org, uh, founded and uh, led by the amazing Serena Buffalino. And we are uh, on track to just to continue to change the world and, of course, help heal humanity. So if you're looking for an organization to be philanthropic with, uh, to share some of your some of your generational wealth, perhaps. Oh, there's a key little word we're going to be talking about. Uh, we would love for you to go visit the website, www.helphealhumanity.org, uh, and consider doing what you can. Uh, that's a little price you can pay for this episode. You know, I'm giving you valuable content every single week. We've been going for now two and a half years. I think we're on episode 178 or something like that, 180. Um, so I don't can't do the math. I know there's 52 weeks in a year. So yeah, we're, we're rocking and rolling and we appreciate you guys. So go check out helphealhumanity.org if you want to get involved with the organization, if you're looking for a place to volunteer, whether it's being on the board of directors, we got some openings there. We would love to have you. So hit me up, private message me. You guys know where to find me. You can email me at Christopher at ChristopherRoush.com as always. Uh, but be sure to go check out helphealhumanity.org. Right now we are raising $100,000 to send kids in Haiti to school. 
And uh, it's an amazing program. And not only send them to school, but actually feed them. Because if you know anything about Haiti, uh, uh, it's crazy there. It's absolutely crazy. We know that the president got assassinated, I believe, two years ago. They've had earthquake after earthquake. And literally, these guys look at having a tarp as having you know a home. And it's really crazy. Literally crazy. But what we're doing is we are we built a school in one of the hardest, uh, toughest areas. And all the whole place is ran by gangs right now. And but we're still sending these kids to school. These innocent kids who don't deserve to be in the middle of crossfire. We're sending them to school and we're feeding them. So we're raising a hundred thousand dollars to continue doing that, to sending our, to send our students to school. My wife and I sponsor a child and we also donate. And of course I'm on the board of directors. So it's an incredible organization. Nobody takes a paycheck. All the money goes towards those efforts. And that's something that you don't hear about from these nonprofit organizations. So whatever you can do to help, if it's a buck, if it's five bucks, 25 bucks, if you donate something, please let me know because that way I can pay it forward to you and perhaps give you some of my coaching time is, is my way of saying thank you. So it's all about us helping each other and making this world a better place and helping to heal humanity. So most definitely appreciate that. And then also, I just want to take a moment here. Uh, because I've got something to share with you in case you have been living under a rock. Um, I'm going to show this right here. I have an amazing opportunity for you guys. This is my no excuses confidence workshop. And truth be told, I don't normally do workshops. I normally don't even do group coaching programs to work with me. It's all one-on-one, -on -one, but lately my coach has been getting up my butt and saying, Hey, listen, you got to give different opportunities for people to work with you at different price ranges. So I decided to put this together a couple of weeks ago. It's called the no excuses confidence workshop. It is 97 bucks and what you're going to be getting for 90 minutes. I mean, you guys can read this, but who is this for? This is for people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired and feeling taken advantage of because they don't have have any boundaries, who feel stuck and overwhelmed with feeling like they have little control over their lives, who are busy with all the time yet procrastinate because they're, they have fear of failing, making mistakes and being judged. People who have the best intentions yet time after time give themselves lame excuses, which helps keep them comfortably miserable, who desire to create and leave a permanent legacy for which they and their loved ones will be honored to carry forward, who will take, who take care of everyone and everything else and thereby feel depleted and don't take care of themselves and being frustrated. What you will gain, ladies and gentlemen, you will permanently shift your pr perspectives and your beliefs about your past failures and mistakes. Just imagine how confident you would be if you no longer feared making mistakes and having quote unquote failures. You will learn how to shift your mindset about your worth, both in monetary and relationship value. Just imagine how different your life and your career and your business would be with, with more additional con uh, confidence. Gain clarity and develop your, your, for your bigger vision and your mission in your life. Discover how to work and eliminate what you are tolerating that is holding you back. Work specifically with your largest excuses and develop action plans for shifting those patterns. Increase personal freedom and inner peace knowing you are no longer going to be the same person as who started this program. It's 90 minutes. Uh, make better decisions that serve your greater good, less regrets later on in life, more confidence to ask for what you want and deserve in your personal and professional life. 90 minutes. You guys can go read this all. It's an amazing, amazing uh, uh, workshop. I'm offering it dirt cheap just to make sure you have skin in the game. So go check it out. Noexcusescoach.com. It's right there on the landing page. I would love you and appreciate it for it. I want the right people in this thing. Um, and we can definitely uh, entertain that. You also get a 20 minute phone call with me. Now, my coaching is not not cheap. Let's just put it that way. But you get a 20-minute call with me after the workshop's over just to make sure that you get set off in the right direction and what it is that you want to accomplish. I'm throwing the kitchen sink in with this, so I expect to have this completely full. Uh, we've got people that are on the docket to, to take advantage of this. And then also, if you want to check it out, my group coaching program is right there. There's additional information. So we got all sorts of, of testimonials down here. You can see them all. You can see my blog. 
So that is my little commercial right now for me um, because I bring you the value and I am very intentional on helping you build your confidence, make a name for yourself and get out there and help other people grow. And as a result, help heal humanity. So thank you guys for entertaining on this. What we got going on here? We got, uh, we got all the Facebook users. Uh, what's up? What's it's, it's great. Why is it all Facebook users? That's crazy. Um, I don't know. Um, da, 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 da. okay. We're going to get to that. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, so tonight, my guest, I met him at, uh, again, donating my time, the power we symposium 2022 in Chicago. You guys heard me talk about it. I just recently posted some video clips of me hosting the at home version of that and doing some speaking on stage and doing some interviews. I posted that recently cause I just get a kick out of it, but we met there because we both have a kind heart for what it is that we can do philanthropically in the world and make the world a better place. Uh, he is, uh, uh the author of an upcoming book that we're going to be talking about as well so please welcome to the raw and scripted show mr christopher dora what's going on chris welcome to the raw hey. and show, brother <laughs> you know the power of we i think that was such a special moment in my life to experience um the power of we in chicago at the stan mansion you and i connected it was like we were you know friends from a different world but we just reunited yeah. Um, so, you know, thanks for having me on your show today, Chris. And I think, you know, I'm so thrilled to just share some, you know, information, nuggets, just, you know, share people, share with people content that's going to be valuable. Hell yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. So I want to jump kind of right off in the deep end and talk about, you know, we're going to be talking about financial wealth and abundance. But one of the questions that I've been asking people lately, because we've just gone through two and a half years of craziness with a, with COVID and everything else and all the different stuff that's been going on in the world around us. What have you learned personally about yourself in, during these last couple of years? You know, what have you learned about yourself and what have you learned about society and humanity overall? You know, I learned it's never a perfect situation. Um, you know, I learned a lot in the pandemic about myself and uh, just, you know, how I'm able to really touch and change lives. Um, you know, I wrote a book in the pandemic to really help uh, nonprofit organizations. The reason I wrote the book is because I realized that there was such a lack of um, support uh, federally as well as in our communities because of the pandemic. Um, it changed me in a way to want to put more information out there. I can only reach so many people on a Zoom call. I can only be at so many places at once where I realized that the way that you really can change is by educating um, and really allowing people to take away information that, you know, they don't need to go to a university or, or have a degree to be able to impact change. Um, change comes from within and the heart the mind, those are the strongest things that can help change people, uh, but also change systematic injustice. And I think that yeah. was really the issue of, uh, you know, what we all face, you know, not only in for-profit situations or nonprofit institutions. I think, you know, when we have people like us who care, uh, we make it our way. We make it a priority to be able to, you know, change the status quo. And by doing that, it's by really sharing kind of things that we go through personally or even through our professional careers, but then realize that, you know, I'm doing this not because, you know, there's amazing uh, income potential. I'm doing this because one, I really enjoy what I do. And then two, how can I just change one child's life, one Amen. parent's life? That's really what I learned about myself is that it's all about being uh, humble and, and and really living with you know gratitude. And I think that pays its way uh, for you along the journey. 
I love that, Chris. Thank you so much for sharing that, man. You know, I think about that in my journey and I think about where it was in my life where I started developing more compassion for other people because I grew up in an environment where my mom thought she was the, the head honcho. She, I mean, she definitely was the head honcho. Um, she never taught me about loving other people. She didn't care about other people. It was her way or the highway. And so it was through my own particular journey about getting around the right people where I started having that giving heart towards other people. Talk to me about your journey. Did you grow up in that type of family environment where it was about looking out for other people or is that something Something that you had to learn along the way yourself like i did well you know i grew up uh you know with the background uh, from the caribbean islands uh my family's from haiti um so you know kudos to you and i really appreciate the efforts um that you know help heal humanity is, is doing uh, for the people for the children uh it's really tough the economy right now what's going on with, as you mentioned with the gangs and kind of you know the um you know unstructured government system but uh when you think about you know, overall, the household that I, you know, grew up in, uh, my family always had strong values uh, regarding uh, sharing and caring. And I think that's really what I emulate today. Um, you know, I'm a family of five with two siblings. It's funny because I'm the tallest one, but the youngest one and the eldest <laughs> the shortest. So it's like, it's like a descending slope. <laughs> but, um, you know, those are the values that uh, were instilled in me early. And because of me always making sure to take care of my family, my siblings, my folks, um, that's the way I live my life today. And I think those are important traits that I've, I've really built uh, along my life. Uh, I'm 35 years old. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. But at the same time, I still make sure that I make my bed every morning. I kiss my mom when I see her. Um, and I'm able to really just you know be a, a leader. Um, in the community, not only just from my household, but you know, with people that I interact with every day. How I carry myself is important because I didn't learn that, you know, as a professional. You know, that those were things that were instilled in me at a very early age. So I do think, you know, your upbringing, uh, your 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 the people you surround yourself with really helps you kind of decide how you want to live your life. And I think those are the good traits, you know, as they're instilled earlier that help you apply those things, you know, in the future. It's so true, man. It's so true. I mean, the power of getting around the right people. When I think about my particular journey of being homeless from the age of 13 to 17, dropping out in the seventh grade, you know, having all those different suicide attempts and 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 ultimately having a gun put to my head. And, and then realizing that if I continue to hang around these people, I'm going to continue to have these same outcomes. And then I broke free from those people and then started hanging around different people. And then ultimately went back and got my GED and got my master's degree. You know, having those those people in your life can create such a mindset shift that, you know, I went from being broke and, and not thinking I could earn, you know, more than 10 bucks an hour, you know, working three jobs to ultimately, you know, earning six figures in a corporate position and now doing my entrepreneurial business as, as a coach. But I had to get around the right people to change my mindset about my worth. Talk to us about that. I mean, I'm sure in your particular situation in wealth management and estate planning and everything else, you probably run up against some people that maybe don't have the right mindset about wealth and, and accumulation and, and, and feeling deserving. What are some things that people can do to, to shift that mindset about increasing their wealth and their value, both maybe personally and financially? Well, you know, at a macro level, we're looking at it from top down. It's the system. It's a system that doesn't teach us and educate us about tax planning. Uh, we don't have to be accountants, but we need to understand what how many tax brackets that we have um, in order to understand if we make a certain amount of income, how we're going to be treated and how much is, you know, the IRS really taking off in, in their haircut. Um, the other avenue is, you know, how do we actually manage our cash flow, our budgets? Um, you know, I, you know, I love science. I love math. However, I knew I was not going to be in Nassau. 
So, you know, you know, studying calculus and statistics was great. However, it didn't apply for me with what I do today. Um, I would prefer to learn earlier in my stages in even junior high. You know, how do I look at, you know, saving money? Where to put it? You know, how do I think about, you know, investing money? How do I do that? You know, those are things where, you know, I learned those things as an adult. And I learned those things, you know, getting out of college, taking some courses. Um, I really feel that, you know, some of the things where self-education, you know, makes you wealthy. Uh, the system just says, hey, go get a job. So right. it's like, you know, really, when you think about it, it, it all starts, you know, with our parents. It starts, you know, with our teachers, our mentors, um, you know, with, with the economy and how the world is changing so fast. Um, we're not reading enough. You know, we're not spending enough time educating ourselves, even as for fun. And I think really just exercising the mind really could put a lot of you know youth at an advantage because the more we read and educate our minds, we can ask more questions. Now our professors have to give us a response, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's for their paycheck or for the sake of them really enjoying what they do in regards to teaching, they got to give you an answer. And here's the thing. Nobody says you have to accept only one answer. Yeah, I think that's really the difference right there. We're making sure that if we have built, you know, kids, the youth into asking more questions, but making sure instead of giving the video game or the new iPhone, say, you know what, you got to earn that. And, yeah. you know, maybe you got to read a chapter to a week and then talk to me about it at the end of the week. So I think now we're starting to put some, you know, systems in place that are teaching, you know, the youth and adults, you know, how to grow your mind. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just saying, let me just let some system or computer do everything for me. So taking those steps and going back to traditional steps, we're not saying it take away the TV, the allowance and not letting people go out and have fun with their friends. But it, it, it really boils down to parents looking at how to teach the right principles at an early age. So your child is not suffering tomorrow, relying on you for money in college relying on you after college, still living on the couch or, or, or just, you know, taking the the necessary steps, just making what they can and making ends meet. There's so many ways that kids today, listen, college isn't for everybody, you know, and I believe that entrepreneurs are identifying more of that day, but entrepreneurs, Amen. they have the will to go after what they believe in and that's passion. Yeah. But at the same time, passion gets you so far. It's so important. You have to have something that you understand that puts you at an advantage. So I say, you know, to emulate, we really need to start teaching our kids how to start picking up more books. Mm, so true. It's so true. And I think about that. And that's great advice. I think about my son. He's five years old. And I read somewhere and I can't, I always quoted him improperly, but he was talking about um, somewhere. I was talking about like when they get your kids get an allowance, they get three buckets. Like part of it is money they get to money they get to spend. Part of it's money they have to save, and part of it's money they get to donate. I think it was like 30, 30, and thirty. I can't remember what it was. But what advice would you have for parents, perhaps watching this with kids and trying to teach them those fundamental principles about saving and potentially investing? What are some uh, What are some strategies that you usually give parents as far as advice goes? Yeah, you know, with with parents uh, that are helping their children, you know, also learn uh, the right types of you know principles. Is you know when you make money, you got to pay yourself first. Yeah. And that means saving it or putting it somewhere where it's going to give you compound interest. And I think really that's what we need to start teaching um, everybody, you know, that simple principle. 
paying yourself last, you know, necessarily doesn't mean, you know, pay my bills, um, you know, get stuff that I want. And then obviously then remember to save. And we did that the total opposite and said, well, once I have money, save first, let's just say 20%. You have the remaining 80% that you can pay bills. You can go have some fun and you may have still have some surplus available for you to actually use as your own allowance. But I think, you know, using you know those things that we're teaching our kids can actually help our parents too to say, well, the way we can shift, you know, our financials and our freedom to become financially free is by just mentally shifting a few things that we're doing in our day to day. What are some of those things that we can shift? Well, you know, going back to just, you know, the way that you think about money, uh, money is a currency and it's used uh, for many you know, different things. But when you think about it, the value of what that money buys, if, you know, people buy food, people travel, people pay their bills. But when you think about, well, people need to also think about, well, how do I build it? How do I grow it? Mm-hmm. And I think the mental shift is, well, before you spend it, pay yourself first. And that means put something aside and then just let it grow in some type of investment account or just let it, you know, sit in a piggy bank for, 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 for whatever the situation is. You want to start paying yourself first by saying, you know, I've worked for this. All my money doesn't have to go all to bills. You make adjustments by realizing if I pay myself first, I got to think about that tomorrow. Because what if I don't have enough? Mm-hmm. Well, the savings account or, or the little pot of money that you paid yourself first always helps you in a, in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I think about what you're talking about. And I think about traditional autopilot types of things that we used to do, you know, investing in our 401k or, you know, maybe stocks or bonds or different things like that. But now there's so many different things and opportunities out there. There's Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, NFTs. Talk to us a little bit about that. If you have familiarity, are those some things that we should be looking at as, as, as wise financial investments for the future, for our future of ourselves and the future of our kids? Right. Well, you know, everybody has a different game that they're playing. Um, you know, the game that I play is a little more traditional um, in that aspect where there's a little bit more rules, there's a little bit more regulations. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to give you an answer about, you know, NFT, crypto and Bitcoin because that's not the game that I play. However, I'm aware that these are new games that are yeah. being played. And I think, you know, obviously, if it helps somebody, uh, you know, get an advantage, get a, a head start you know, learn about it, uh, you know, understand it. if somebody is well versed in it and they're doing well, you know, ask them some questions about it and then, you know, really educate yourself. People shouldn't take any decisions without knowing what they don't know. Yeah. And you never know what to ask if you never ask questions to start with. So it really kind of, you know, goes back to making sure that if you don't know about something, don't just jump in head first, you know, make sure that you're surrounding yourself one or two different people that are doing it but then have mm-hmm. separate conversations with them and then ask them the same questions and then take away information from what their responses are and then really cross, you know, uh, collaborate questions and answers that you got from two separate parties and then now figure out, well, what answer sounds better for me? And I, and I think you can make an educated guess by at least getting opinions and at least processing those answers. Because again, um, I don't know too much about that world, but what I do know is that it's not a regulated world. It's not like, you know, a world that has a lot of compliance. So when you think about that, that puts fear in investors. Mm -hmm. That puts fear in investors. They don't know what's happening outside of, you know, a lot of stuff that's being talked about. 
um, on TV. A lot of you know people who are saying that they're doing really well uh, overall with these uh, strategies. But again, when you think about it, people who are diving in should be prepared for the risk and the risk of if you invest in something, you be, you should be prepared also to lose it or to really have big wins. So really, it's a it's a kind of a catch twenty two where you want to make sure before you invest in anything, do your homework. Yes, yes, that's so true. I mean, I you can't swing a dead cat anymore without getting a freaking DM every day about somebody who invests in crypto and and check out my Bitcoin <laughs> and all this other stuff. It's like ridiculous. And but yet, if you go on and you just Google, I actually Googled it yesterday, and I was like, "What is Bitcoin doing right now?" Like, I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. But it was like it's down like big time. And I've known some friends of mine that have been in that space and have lost you know hundreds of thousands of dollars because they were gambling on that risk, like you were saying. But it, it's not regulated. And I think about, you know, like traditional avenues and stuff like that. A buddy of mine told me, he goes, he goes, I swear to God, Chris, as long as I live, I'm going to tell you this, buy silver and gold, like actually have physical silver and gold. It's never going to change. It's never going to go away. What are your thoughts on some of those traditional old fashioned types of ways of investing to, to secure your money and, and to, to get that compound interest, like you were saying? You know, I think it's a hedge, you know, just preparing for the what ifs. And I, and I, I do believe that, you know, old school uh, approaches, you know, like having the hard uh, palladium, you know, uh, gold, silver, they don't lose value. But here's the thing. It costs a lot more today to be able to buy a brick of gold or purchase, you know, a mint silver coin. Um, you know, if you have the capacity, I say definitely, you know, store some of that in your shelf or put some <laughs> of that in the safe. But when you think about, you know, how do I maximize on the dollars that I have right now? Well, you know, you can use different strategy with stock market, uh, whether it's, you know, investing in real estate, uh, whether it's looking at ways that you can, uh, you know, build cash flow, um, you know, building other ways um, that of you generating income in different capacities, you know, using a lot of these already uh, successful platforms. You know, I'm also here in Amazon gives you the ability to do, you know, some types of drop shipping or, or different types of, you know, strategies that where you can actually make a little bit of money with a model that's already proven. Yeah. Again, going back that. To educating yourself on how to do that, you know, putting yourself in circles of, of, of influences that people understand how to teach you how to do those things before you jump in. There's a lot of games out there that you can play to make money. But the question is, do you have the time and the patience to learn it before you jump in? That is so true. That is so true. I want to shift gears a little bit. So we were talking about how to build build wealth and build savings and stuff like that and some of the traditional values. So we've got a lot of successful people who are business entrepreneurs, successful C-suite executives that got money in the bank. And they're at this time in the world where it's kind of chaotic and everything. And you're not sure whether to believe, you know, the financial, the stock market and everything else they're looking at. You know, I've got baby boomers that are good friends of mine and they're like, okay, you know, my time's getting kind of up there. I got to start figuring about my estate planning, my wealth planning. What are some critical factors that people should really be considering? in today's world and today's society for that legacy planning for their families if they've got a lot of wealth and they're just unsure like do i put it in stocks and bonds do i put it in a 401k you know do what what, what do i do with it what are some critical things that people should really be thinking about in that planning process yeah sure i think first it starts at the dinner table um it's not necessarily hey let's just go find and hire somebody who understands how to do all this stuff i think generational wealth and planning really starts at the conversation at the dinner table with your family. Um, you know, some families are more open than others, but I think and understand that you get a lot more uh, responses when you start thinking about that collectively as a family. 
um, start talking about, hey, you know, you know, college planning or, or start talking about, well, what do we do with money if something were to happen? Where do we get it? How do we receive it? How do we maintain it? Those are some of the important questions you want to get responses from your parents, um, your siblings, and even the kids. You'll be surprised how smart kids are today that they pay attention yeah. and they may have some ideas. Hey, you know what? If something were to happen, what do we do? The what ifs is really what we start talking about at the dinner table. Now, moving forward, once you have that conversation, you now want to bring a professional who understands how to explain and break it down. But mm -hmm. I think that's really the difference where people feel as if, oh, if I'm not w wealthy and I don't have a lot of money in the bank, why do I need to talk to a financial professional? Well, here's the thing. It's the flip side of that. You should want to talk to a financial professional, make sure that they're at least giving you that guidance along your journey as you're growing your wealth. Mm -hmm. You never want to say, hey, you know, we've arrived. Now it's time to do it. Well, it might be too late. So you want to start talking about it as you're game planning. Life is about planning. You know, you plan to, you know, dress up and go to work. Well, you had to wake up and think about it and process that before you picked your clothes. So it's the same application when we're talking about how do I preserve the money for the family? You're looking at the Rockefellers, the Carnegies. You know, we're looking at some of these very, very strong families. You know, I don't think they waited until they were billionaires to talk <laughs> no. to planners or to talk to, you know, financial professionals. I think they thought about those things amongst their families first. And that's really where we want to, you know, challenge the status quo and, and have more of those conversations just in normal settings. You know, when you're on vacation with your kids, it doesn't have to be the main point of focus in your conversation, but the more you start talking about it, the more you get the wheels turning. And mm -hmm. I do believe that if you're protecting your wealth, you need a plan. You need to think about, well, I need documents. I need to talk to an estate planning attorney. Um, I need some lawyer who knows how to draft a will. And then depending on the wealth you have, you may need a trust. Now, again, when you think about all those things, you need life insurance. Life insurance is a tool. A lot of people, you know, you know, don't fail to realize that it's not just having life insurance and saying, hey, somebody's going to receive a benefit and be a lot better off if I'm no longer <laughs> here. It's more of, well, how do we look at this as a tool to protect right. our wealth? How do we look at this as a tool to be able to use this as maybe a savings tool or look at it in a way to uh, be able to you know, grow your business? When you're sitting with professionals who have the bandwidth to really explain and break these things down, you'll, you'll tend to understand how the rich stay rich. Mm -hmm. is they use similar tools like like life insurance and and understand by bringing in professionals who can break down strategies and, and understand their family situation it puts you at an advantage hmm. i love that chris thank you for that for those of you guys just joining us, we are on the raw and scripted show we're talking tonight with christopher dora talking about wealth management financial estate planning and all everything in between so thank you guys for being here i appreciate it as always uh if you guys have any questions feel free to ask us live here or on the replay. Chris and I will definitely answer them. And you've got a professional right here, right now. So if you have any questions, feel free to let us know. Um, Chris, when I think about, you know, what you're talking about in the estate planning and everything else, um, actually, before I go to that question, I want to go because you mentioned it, wills and living trusts. I've heard so many conflicting reports about that. For the most part, I have heard that a living trust is much better than a will um, as far as, you know, probate and all that other stuff. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and give us some like, you know, basically beginner type tips on what to consider when we're even just at that very beginning stage of having a will or a living trust? 
Yeah, sure. Well, first and foremost, those are two separate documents. Um, a will just identifies who gets what when something happens. So your stuff doesn't get lost in the system. And basically what that means is you want to have that document first drafted and clearly describes your wants and wishes. Yeah. Because that's really what, at the end of the day, the judge that doesn't know you or your family is going to look at to make sure your family receives the things that you've built and, and, and preserve. Now, the trust you know, puts you in a position to protect what you have. Because a lot of times, you know, certain uh, rules in certain states is will certain trusts you know, protect you know, your estate depending on what you put in the trust. It could be businesses, it could be homes, it could be anything that you have that's titled under your name. If you have it inside of a trust, it puts you in a position to not think about, well, if somebody sues me, if there's people coming after me, well, certain rules in certain states protect the trust by law. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an attorney and I can't speak on things that attorneys do. However, I do understand that when you're thinking about documents, a simple will is where to start. And depending on what types of things you possess, maybe the trust might be the next conversation. But I would encourage old families, it doesn't matter if you own, you know, your home, if you have cash at the bank, if you have anything titled that belongs to you, you need to have a will because those are the things that you want to make sure that your kids receive or your spouse. And you don't want those things that you work so hard to have to just disappear because you didn't have a will. So I think that's really where it's important to make sure that those documents are the first thing you actually talk to your financial advisors and planners about. Mm, I love that. So I've seen, I've seen like, you know, prepare your will, prepare your trust from like legal zoom and stuff like that. Is that something that people can go through on themselves or do you advise actually hiring a financial planner and hiring an attorney to make sure that it's all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted? Well, you know, you know, you can do it the cheap way and, you know, Mm -hmm. do it again. (laughs) Or you can, you know, shop around a little bit and figure out who is able to give you a price that is affordable. But I always advise, you know, when you're taking serious steps to protecting your money, um, you want to sit down with a professional. You want to sit down with somebody who really educates you on your state, where you live in, and some of the things that you possess. Because, at the end of the day, what really, you know, stands is what's black and white on paper. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you can go on online and find the cheapest way to get it done. But it's kind of like looking at the Mickey Mouse contract versus the one that's the original one that stands. And I think those are the big differences where, you know, you, you know when you're thinking about your legacy, you're, you're building your wealth for your family. You want to take the proper steps and, and get counsel from professionals who can really advise you as opposed to just winging it, doing it on your own and not feeling comfortable about if something really happens, is this going to stand in court? Hmm. I love that. So speaking of that, I think about, you know, all the different people that are out there, supposed experts and everything else. What should people consider and what should they look for in finding that expert, finding that individual? I know for me, mostly I go on word of mouth. Like I know I, we would talk about this last time when we were talking, like I know financial planners and everything else, but what if we don't know those people? What are some critical things that we should look for to make sure we trust them? Because we're opening up our entire wallet, our entire life to these people, giving them access to information that normally we wouldn't share with anybody. What are some critical components that we should look for to make sure we get the right individual? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's an interview process. You know, first you got to like who you're talking to. 
And I think that's really the biggest step we're building trust. You know, if you feel comfortable with somebody and you're able to have a, a, an open conversation, get to know the financial professional, you know, ask them about their story. You know, what got them into the business? What are their values? Um, ask, you know, who they represent. Some some advisors are independent, you know, find out their experience, you know, look them up and, and kind of start identifying, you know, who are you really sitting in front of? Because there's a lot of, you know, financial people out there, but they're not always in the best interest of people because they look <laughs> at commissions. They look at, you know, you know, rates of return. So you really want to make sure when you're having those conversations and you're interviewing these types of professionals, you'll get one or two uh, people that you can interview. And whoever makes you feel the most comfortable, confident about how they're sharing information, you'll know. And a lot of times we kind of go back to, you know, the six senses that we possess. If your gut tells you feels right, it might be the direction you want to take. Mm, mm. So there's there are specific, specific creditations and things like that, because I think about that. I mean, one thing to follow your gut and everything else, but it's also when you like you, what you were talking about, what's in the best interest for them? Are they playing around with money? You know, like, should we ask them for referrals, you know, some proven track records or things of that nature? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to identify, you know, what is the philosophy of that advisor? Are they licensed? Do they have the licenses to help you with investments, insurance planning? Um, do they work with a broker dealer? Are they independently a registered investment advisor? Um, do they have the fiduciary uh, designations? You know, you want to make sure that you're working with somebody who is capable, but also competent at what they're doing. And, and sometimes, you know, knowledge is not only what's important. It's what, what's important is making sure you have that connection. Because, again, like you said, you're opening up your world. You're not talking about these things, you know, with you know, your friends, but, you know, your personal life deep into kind of layers and layers of what you've worked so hard to have. Now you're just openly talking to it with a professional and you want to make sure that that professional is the right fit for you. So mm -hmm. you can do several things. Ask them for referrals, um, you know, maybe talk to their managers, um, you know, do some research on the actual company they represent and, you know, do a little bit of research before you decide to, you know, jump into a contract or, or jump into some relationship with any professional. And that goes across the board from your financial advisors, from your attorneys, the lawyers, even your accountants, your CPAs. You know, those are the most trusted professionals in your, in your network, because obviously those are the people that one. You got to have somebody help you with some guidance on the financial stuff. Um, you can't run away from IRS because <laughs> you need to make sure you're paying your taxes. Um, and then you want to make sure that the attorney that you hire for counsel is also someone that's competent, that can give you the best advice. And those are the three professions I would say you want to make sure you spend some time feeling the energy, asking those tough questions. And then, you know, get some stories, you know, get some feedback from some of their experiences as well. The more you can gather data wise through a conversation, you know, maybe meet them once or twice or even three times but in different settings, because sometimes you want to see how they respond to you at their office. You want yeah. to meet them for a cup of coffee and maybe invite them to your home on the third meeting to really see if this is somebody that you can actually trust long term. And I think that will give you enough of a rapport by having a few interviews, doing some of your research on their firm, and then even looking them up as well. Those hmm. are some of the, the tips that I would you know, offer to our viewers today. 
Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. I, I appreciate that. These are questions that are going on in my mind. Like I told you before off camera, I'm not a big financial guy. You know, I've got my 401k and got other stuff. We've got a financial advisor my wife works with. Um, but I want to shift gears. I want to talk about the book. The book is coming. The book is coming out, right? So it's not you out right now. It, my friend. Okay. Um, so let's let's know, talk about this. I, <laughs> 10, 10 tips to help nonprofit organizations. I had it memorized, but now it just went right out my ass. No worries. <laughs> I got you, my friend. Uh, we're boys. So uh, <laughs> the boys are back in town. The boys, yeah. <laughs> so the book um, is called Let's Get It. And uh, the subtitle is called 10 Keys to a Sustainable, to a <laughs> 10 Keys to a Sustainable Life <laughs> Fulfilling Nonprofit Organizations. I got a little tongue twister there. Um, but, you know, really the book is available for pre-order now. Um, you can find it at Target, Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million. Um, it's it's really a, a lot of major uh, retail distributors. Um, you know, the book's going to be available on the shelf in November 22nd. Nice. Uh, however, people can go online and Google, uh, you know, Target, uh, Barnes & Nobles, all the bookstores, and just type in Let's Get It by Christopher Dora. And you see how my name is spelled. Make sure you get that one right, because that'll be exactly the book that you want to, you know, get for Christmas, or even get if you want to learn more about nonprofits. Now, I wrote the book because I felt like it was a resource. It's a story of my journey, but it's a three prong approach. Um, it helps leadership, personal development. It really helps, um, you know, team building, and then you know the icing on the cake is it really helps to educate the organization on when they receive contributions from donors. What do you do with it? That's really the technical side of helping an organization understand how to think about legacy planning. How do we make sure that we have perpetuity in our conversation? And that's really where the book uh, is not only relevant for the domestic, the nation of the USA, but it's also a global book that can help many organizations around the world. So what inspired you to write this? I love the fact that it's talking about leadership and personal development it's right up my alley. But what inspired you to write this and, and really in particular with a nonprofit space? Because I know I have a few friends of mine actually right now that are thinking about starting a nonprofit organization. I invited you to speak with Serena and Alex, the part that are on the board for Help Heal Humanity, and you did an amazing job. Um, what is it some things should people should really think about about starting a nonprofit? Because in the dream world, sitting in our in our office at home and everything, it sounds great, but there's so many different facets to that. What are some tips that you would give somebody to really think about when they're starting a nonprofit? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the nonprofit industry is a $480 billion industry. Ooh. And when you think about those numbers, you're like, well, whoa. Why are their children still suffering? Why are there, you know, uh, uh, women and children who don't have enough resources? Why are our fathers still having mental health, um, you know, you know, concerns? So when I realized by doing my research and being in the industry for over seven years now, I realized that that's the problem. That's a systematic, you know, injustice in the nonprofit system. The funding at times, you know, gets allocated not in the right ways. Um, <laughs> there are certain organizations that are really successful, but, you know, is it really important to have a CEO, you know, making half a million dollars every year? And, you know, you don't have enough resources to, you know, focus on more programs and really justify the metrics with how you're servicing, you know, the community. So when you think about a lot of organizations that didn't have the capacity, they didn't have enough money in the bank reserves to be able to say, hey, if we don't get the grant from the federal side, how are we going to make it? Because you know what? A lot of organizations think, well, everything that comes in needs to go right back into the org. And that's, yeah, that's the training that we need to take a step back and reflect. 
The nonprofit is no different than a for-profit. The only difference is the tax exemption that the IRS says, hey, you know what? We're not going to tax you on the money you bring in if you decide to use it or invest it. So really, you have an advantage as a nonprofit to look at a model very similar to like a regular business. Whatever comes in that's unrestricted, you want to put some dollars away for a rainy day because you never know if your grant writer is going to be able to produce the same report and, and win that award year in, year out. So that's really where I realized the change and the impact that the whole entire industry faced globally. A lot of donors were you know, apprehensive to be able to still cut checks to say, hey, I can still commit to the same level of, of my contribution. Why? Because they were impacted. Their right. businesses, their families, they didn't have the same cash flow that they had every year before the pandemic, as opposed to in the pandemic, they were impacted. So when you think about that, the nature of why I wrote my book was to solve the problem, was to be able to put organizations um, at an advantage to understand, you know, when we are putting together our gala and we're raising X amount of dollars, when we are putting our programs together, how do we start thinking strategically? How do we start looking at ways that we're going to be able to receive these contributions, but now have a game plan to invest those contributions perpetually? So that's really why I wrote the book. Now, to answer your question about, you know, you know, friends and family members who want to start nonprofits, um, it's definitely going to be a, a, a pill to swallow if you have never, <laughs> you know, been in a nonprofit or in that type of atmosphere it's because it's not an easy trail to walk. However, if you are encouraged by your, your values, your principles, the mission that touches your heart, and you want to get into nonprofit, I would say get some experience first. Join an organization, understand how they work, mm -hmm. understand why they do what they're doing. And if you spend enough time with an organization, you'll now identify if it makes sense to go start on your own. Because it's not, it's not an easy cup to fill. <laughs> because as no. we can see now with some of the challenges, you know, you have great people out there that have no idea how to manage a nonprofit or people. So it's like, well, you want to make sure that surround yourself with people who have done it and then ask the right questions with people that are doing it. And I think that's going to really help shorten the learning curve. So I encourage people, if you do have the interest to go out there and start an organization, do your research. Internet is accessible for everybody who has a cell phone. Yeah. And I think everybody has a cell phone these days. So it's like, well, read up on some stuff, get involved in your local community and spend some time. Give yourself some time. Don't rush it. Anything that's worth anything takes time. And I think by educating yourself is really an advantage before you decide to go start a whole new org. Mm -hmm. What you're saying, Chris, is so right up the alley. I had a friend of mine years ago and he's like, I'm going to start a restaurant. I'm going to start a restaurant. And he was looking at financing funding. He had a couple of people that were going to invest in him. He got his friend's parents that were going to invest in him. And I said, dude, have you ever worked in a restaurant? He's like, no. And I said, why do you want to do it? He goes, oh, I've got these recipes in my family and I just know it would be bomb. Da, da, da. It'd be so much fun. Serve alcohol, have a band. Da, da, da. And I said, here's my thought. I said, go work in a restaurant for six months. Try to get to become like a store manager or something like that. See all the different ins and outs. See how the inventory works. See how the purchasing works. See how the customer complaints work. See how the insurance works. Somebody slips in your restaurant. You could lose everything. Go do that. And he's like, yeah, Chris, I don't know about that. I don't know. And then finally he took my advice. I said, what do you got to lose? And so he went to and applied at a local restaurant in his neighborhood. And he went in there. And I kid you not, within three months, he comes to me, he goes, dude, 
goes, I didn't realize all the different shit that's involved in this. He goes, the customers were coming. There's a hair in my food. I'm going to call the Better Business Bureau and da, 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 And there's this and there's that. And your fork's this. And I got hurt in the bathroom. And he's like, oh, my God. He goes, in the supply chain and the inventory and the quality of the goods and, and different things of what's, what was going on. He was just like, fuck. He goes, I just wanted to serve food and just like, you know, have this experience. He goes, but, you know, everything changed with this, you know, going and doing that. I don't know if he ever did it. We were actually not, not friends anymore. <laughs> Uh, but I was just like, for anybody who wants to go do something, that is the best way. Your your advice is spot on, Chris. Go there and 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 walk in their shoes. Um, I know for me, working with Help Heal Humanity, just the just the um, the certification process in all fifty two states. When you go to accept donations, you got to apply and you got to sit there and, and submit all these different documents. It is mind blowing. They created a book that you have to go through every year that updates like the state of Illinois has this, the state of Cal state of California is horrible. All these different States have all different compliance. That's what it was. All these different compliance issues. It's crazy. So thank you for sharing that. We're, we're getting, uh, getting low on time. I knew, I knew this was going to fly by. I want to kind of dig into a little bit of the personal development part of the book. What, who is this book for in that respect? Who's going to be inspired by your story? And what are some tips that you would have for people who are sitting there thinking right now that all the chaos is going on in the world, their self-confidence, self-confidence is at an all-time low. They're just, you know, worried about every single thing and they're feeling like there's no opportunity for success at all. What are some pieces of advice you would give to people who are feeling like that right now? Go get drunk and read all the information in that book. Drink the information up. And the reason I say this because the book is for leaders who run this organization. Sometimes leaders need that advantage. They need to read some fresh content uh, I'm able to share a little bit about my story as a professional athlete with the NFL and then also integrating that with real life scenarios where people can relate to those stories. Um, it's also for people who just are interested in getting involved in nonprofits. I believe that it's important that you have an idea of how they work, you know, some of the challenges that they face and then identify that that's something that really excites you. Because a lot of times, you know, you don't want to do something because it just puts, you know, a check in your bank account. And obviously, at the end of the day, what are you actually doing? What are you getting out of it in regards to satisfaction? Yeah. You want to do stuff that is meaningful. You know, you want to put time and effort into places that are going to value you as a person. So the team aspect of building, um, you know, your team you were able to get a lot of nuggets on how to encourage the teammates that are around you, how to make sure that you are able to work uh, in any type of setting that brings challenges. Now, I relate a lot of the information based off of when I was playing as a professional athlete in that team environment, um, whether it was the locker room, the gridiron, uh, when I had my hand in the dirt, you know, you had to make sure that you are compatible with 10 other players. So when you think about that, it's all about working together. And I do believe that that's the key focus on that segment of the book. Now, the book is also for donors, donors that want to be able to understand, well, what are these techniques, you know, that I can get from this book? Um, the book will be available, um, you know, hard copy, um, a digital copy, but as well, I'm working on the audio book copy for, I know a lot of people who like to listen to stuff in their cars. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be accessible for many different, uh, you know, types of ways to receive the information, but I do encourage people, uh, to go get the book. Let's get it. It's going to be an amazing book. And there's going to be many more editions after, because I think I want to make sure that not only am I just putting one piece of content out, but I'm also continuing the legacy of how to understand the experiences. 
the feedback and then the systems and processes that are, are built inside the book. Now, the book actually made uh, Wall Street Journal bestselling author um, because here's the thing. I wrote another book uh, recently and collaborated um, with David Corbin and some other uh, amazing um, you know, authors. Uh, and we we put a book out together that's called uh, WTF the OMG with a little LOL. And that's really sharing. <laughs> I, love it. I saw that. I saw that on your site. <laughs> that, that's really sharing um, a little bit of everybody who collaborated as a co-author in that book together, their actual experiences. Now, you know, I had a near-death experience. Um, my heart stopped and I died. And, you know, by the grace of God, I got a second chance at life. Now, this happened to me while I was on the playing field, and that's the reason why I ejected myself out of the football business. But thankfully, I had a master's in business, and I knew that I was going to you know, have a fallback plan. So I became a financial professional today. But if it wasn't for that injury, I still would be on the gridiron at 350 pounds, around a 4.9 in the 40-yard dash and blocking everything, coming around the edge. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, here's the thing. Um, it's important that people are able to transition and to be able to use those experiences to be able to do better. And that's exactly what the book describes. How do you identify the challenge but not take away value from information that can help you and then apply it? So that's mm -hmm. really the nature of the book. And I'm encouraging all people, whether it's leadership, it's um, you know team uh, building, and even donors to pick up that book. And get get another copy for your friend. <laughs> mm, hell yeah, get them for your whole entire team. Right. <laughs> well, Chris, this has been an awesome conversation. I knew this time was going to fly by. Um, where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation with you, man? Absolutely. Well, they can uh, you know check out my website, uh, ChristopherDoor.com. There's also ways to you know get in touch with me, uh, to connect with me, get on my calendar. Um, you know, my contact information will be available for us to connect. Uh, they can also reach me on the social media channels on LinkedIn uh, as well as Facebook. Uh, I think it's important that we all connect these days and, you know, just, you know, reach out. You know, it's so simple to connect with people across the world just through some of these social channels. So I encourage people, you know, check out my website, uh, you know, go on Instagram and, and follow my handle. So um, underscore the underscore legend uh, is where you can connect with me on IG. Um, Chris Dorr Finance is, is where you can connect with me as well um, on LinkedIn. So I think, you know, there's so many ways that you can get in touch with people these days. It's just a click or, or um, you know, one click away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for people who are listening on the podcast, spell your name, spell your first and last name. So make sure, make sure people know what they're looking for. Absolutely. And, you know, keep, you know, sharing and promoting raw and unscripted. I think this is an amazing show. I'm having so Thank much you. fun. The time did fly by, man. I didn't realize we were even sitting here for over 50 minutes. Totally. Um, but, you know, I had a good time uh, being on the show. And I look forward to, you know, many more shows that you invite me to come on to and just share. Um, you know, it's really important that you do this stuff, man, because, you know, at times people need this content. They need this energy. They need people like us to be able to share value. And um, kudos to you, man. I'm encouraging you um, to continue doing what you're doing. Keep um, offering mentorship um, and keep rising. Because I think obviously you have an amazing story as well that you overcame. You know, oh, yeah. you went from homeless to going through a lot of different family situations, but you made it out, man. From suicide attempts, <laughs> not having a family, you know, you're making amazing, um, you know, lifestyle for your for your son, for your kids and your spouse. You know, those are things that you want to praise. 
And I encourage that, man. So keep it up, man. I'm happy I got to know a person like you. And I look forward to many, many years ahead of friendship. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Christopher. I'm going to send you backstage just for a second. Don't go anywhere. I just want to talk to you after the show's over, but I appreciate you, man. I'm just going to close out the show for a second. You got it. Thanks, brother. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, another episode of the Ron and Scripted Show with Christopher Dora. Please go connect with him. I mean, not too many times I've had financial planners or wealth management people here on the show. So I, I chose Christopher because I trust him. I believe in him. Uh, he's an amazing soul. And anybody who goes out there and gives of, of his heart to um, charitable organizations like we did for the Power of We, that was all about the inner city kids of Chicago. He flew up there on his own dime and just participated and supported the organization, supported Laura Michaels Harris and the rest of us there. So definitely go connect with him because it's something that we may not want to consider thinking about. We think, oh, I'm going to take care of it tomorrow. I'm going to take care of it tomorrow. But I personally know a lot of people, and I'm sure you guys too, who have you know accumulated some wealth in their life, but didn't have a will, didn't have a, a, a living trust. And then what happens? All the people come out, all the family members come out, and then people go from loving each other and appreciating each other to, I want this, and I want this, and I deserve this. And I've seen, personally, I've seen people lose their entire family over the greed of what it is that the person left behind. So take care of your finances, have those conversations. Like Chris said, it's so important. I mean, you have the conversation once you sit down and you talk about it and say, here's what's going to happen. The expectations are understood. There's no misguided beliefs or anything else. And then it's done. And then you can continue on and enjoy your life and know that that's going to be um, settled, that whenever your time comes, that you're going to be knowing that the the estate has been taken care of. But again, like he said, you know, get around the right people, have the right quality people in there. Don't try to take the shortcut route. Invest in yourself to make sure that it's done right. Uh, make sure that your financial planning is in good hands and that you have an opportunity for that compound interest that Chris talks about. And just continue to have that compound interest for your mindset. You know that I started the, the broadcast off letting you know that the workshop, the No Excuses a Confidence workshop is coming. So go to noexcusescoach.com. Check it out. It's right there on the landing page. You know, continue to invest in yourself. Continue to watch broadcasts like this. Educate yourself. But more importantly, take some of the information that you learned today and start using it. You know, within 72 hours of learning something, you have an opportunity that if you act on it, it's going to be more solidified in your brain. But if you sit there and think, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with that one day. Chances are it's going to fly right out of your brain. You're going to go on to the next shiny object and you're going to forget about it. So I encourage you from this broadcast right now, wherever you're at, as long as you're not driving a car, write down three aspects of this conversation that you want to implement and then start acting on that and sit with your wife and sit with, sit with your spouse, your husband, whatever it might be, and start having these conversations, have them with your kids and uh, start planning your future now because there's no guarantee for tomorrow. Whatever I can do to support you guys, you know I'll be there. Go to noexcusescoach.com. You can check everything out. Got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. I'm going to be part of another podcast here. I'm going to be able to tell you about here pretty soon. And I just actually just ripped my my no excuses bracelet. How funny. Um, I was sitting there tweedledeeing with this stuff. So, And you can go get your no excuses bracelets. You can get your no excuse and the other one right here. Well, you can't see it because I'm a pirate. But yeah, this one says belief and no excuses, but I just actually ripped it. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is Ron and scripted. I love you guys. We'll see you here back here next Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, we got a great guest coming up. He is uh, the Provoke Coach. Um, so we'll be talking with him. I appreciate you guys. Love you. Share this thing out. Let me know what I can do to support you. Let me know what guests you would like to see here on the Ron and scripted show. Go out there, be brilliant and be kick-ass unstoppable. We'll see you next time on the Ron and scripted show.